Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Do you ever feel pressure to perform well in the bedroom? What's it like to be paid to have sex on camera? And is porn really the right place to learn about sex? Eric Everhard was in the porn industry for over 20 years, which means he's had sex with over 4,000 women. Today, we discuss what it was like to have such a unique career, how he ended up feeling lost, and how he found his way again after learning how to help others. Welcome to The New Man. Today we're talking with Mitch Hartwell. You may know him as Eric Everhart. He's a porn star turned author. He's had sex with over 4,000 women. Let me say that again. He's had sex with over 4,000 women, and today he coaches men to have what he calls elite sexual skills. He's got a new book called Unleash Your Sexual Superpowers, a porn star's guide to sexual mastery. And you can learn more about him by visiting ericeverhard.com. Uh, Mitch or Eric, what, whichever you prefer. Well, well, thanks for coming. I appreciate you. Doing, oh man. Wow. I said, thanks for coming. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, we have puns forever. Oh this, man. I didn't want to step into ends. it that, that early. And but yeah, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, man, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I've never inter- I've never talked to a porn star. Um, certainly watched porn, you know, from an you know early age, sneaking into. I remember being at a buddy's house, and you know, his dad had a had a had a stack of uh, tapes. That was what how we used it back then. And we'd wait till his parents were gone, and we'd go in there and grab a tape and put it on. And it was this whole world, and nobody talked about it. And we'd watch it and be fascinated. And of course, we wouldn't masturbate together or anything. We'd be like, all right, I got to go home, but. <laughs> So to actually talk to someone that's, that's been in the industry, it's just fascinating. It's, it seems like every guy's dream or not every guy's, but like a lot of guys dream to be able to have access to, to a lot of women. And, but there's not a lot of guys that are in this industry. So let's, maybe let's just dive in there. How did you get into the porn industry? Well, I'll give you the, uh, the, I, well, quick or long version, however you want it. Um, so at the time I was going to school in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, I was bored at uh, university. So I left university and I got into uh, a massage therapy college. So I was there. It was like a three year program. And uh, on lunch breaks, I would read the local uh, newspaper. And one day I'm going through this newspaper and they have this about four inch by four inch article uh, looking for men or looking for women and couples to do a porno movie. And I thought to myself, cause there was an ex-girlfriend that I used to live with and she used to joke. She'd be like, Oh, well, you know, you're, you're well hung. You'd be, you could do porno movies. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You think I'm that impressive, right? Cause you're thinking, well, of course, anybody that is your significant other, I mean, they're not going to tell you you're horrible. At least, you know, most women are, they really try to baby our egos as men because you know we have fragile egos when it comes around these 
topics, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, you know, we're, we're really strong on the outside, and then as soon as you break us down naked, we're, we're, we're not that strong anymore. So I was like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. I didn't really think much about it. And then when I saw the article, that's what triggered my mind. I'm like, well, God, you know, she said I'd be good at that. Oh, that might be cool. And that got me down the rabbit hole. So then I called them up. Uh, of course, now I understand they shot me down very quickly. They were like, nope, not interested. So I went back to going to school. And then it was probably about six or seven months later, same thing on lunch break, reading the newspaper, see another ad from this company. And I thought to myself, well, God, I really didn't pursue it that hard. Right. You know, I made a you know phone call. So I said, well, let's, let's really pursue this. So kept calling, kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. And then one day I got the, uh, which turned out to be the owner of the company. I got him on the phone and, uh, and he said, well, tell you what, how about you come by our studio and we'll just take some Polaroids of you, you know, see if you got the equipment for it. And then, you know, who knows, maybe one day we get you a job somewhere. I said, well, great. Why not? Right. So I go down there knock on the door, you know, in this uh, kind of seedy area of uh, East Vancouver. And uh, they open the door and they look at me and they go, hey, are you Mitch? I said, yeah. And they just straight up look me in the eyes and he's just like, can you fuck a girl for us right now? And I was so shocked. Like, I, I think I just squeaked out a little like, uh, yep. You know, like just like that. Because I, I was... That's not what I had any idea of what was going to happen that day. I had no clue. I thought I was going there just to take some Polaroids. And, uh, yeah, and they had, uh, there was an actress, I guess they had shot with a couple times, and she was just hanging out at their studio that day. So I showed up. She was already there. They said, ah, why not? Let's see if he can do it. And, uh, and yeah, I did it. I didn't think it was a big deal. It was just easy. And I didn't even think anything about it past that. I mean, to me, it was just collecting a, a, an interesting life story, right? Because I thought, well, when I'm 85 years old and I'm, you know, in Depends diapers in the old folks home, like I want to be the guy there with the coolest stories, right? <laughs> you know, you got your old poker table. So, so I really didn't think anything about it other than, okay, cool. Like that, that was a cool experience done. I can tell my grandkids, Hey, grandpa did a porno once. Right. And uh, a couple days later, I'm just minding my own business and my, my phone rings and I, uh, and I answer it and it's the guys from the company and they're just like, Hey, can you come by and do that again? And so then uh, later on uh, they divulged that I was the only guy that had actually pulled it off that had come by. So that, so that seems like a huge test to throw at, at somebody. Um, for those of us that think it's, it might be easy to, to walk in and see a naked woman there and be like, yeah, I would just have sex with her. It's, I'm, I'm sitting here in the comfort of my own home and I'm aroused and I'm looking at this woman. What would be the big deal if I was in that room? What are they missing about being in that room and actually being the one to have sex with this person? Well, you're, you're missing out on a bunch of things. One you are, and it's something that I talk about, uh, that I talk about in the book where most guys get confused because they've collapsed the ability to have a hard on. They've collapsed the two types of hard ons into one, right? So it's something that I, that I realized you, you essentially, you have two separate types of hard ons. You have one, which I call the hard on of the mind, which means there is some sort of uh, you are seeing something or you're interacting with a woman in some way, you're making out with them, you're doing something that is then spontaneously producing an erection. seems like right? it's more, ero- more erotic, emotional, um, in, it, the, it, in the mind so much. It's, it's, it's tied into your primal instincts. It's tied into all that, right? So that's, that's the first type of hormone. The second is totally 100% created by physical stimulation, right? So in most normal sexual interactions, you're having both of them at the same time. You know, there's some sort of physical stimulation and at the same time you're having that mind arousal. 
but you can separate them. Right. And so when you said so, the guys that weren't able to, you know, perform on camera, what was going on for them? Why weren't they able to do well then? Well, because they weren't, they weren't able to effectively uh, separate it and understand, okay, uh, I'm not necessarily going to be turned on by the surroundings, right? I've got a director that might be yelling at me. I might have a girl that I get along with or I don't. Uh, they will be telling me exactly what to do sometimes. So I'm not actually able to follow my own animalistic instincts of what would actually be turning me on. I may be going and being told to do something that actually turns me off. Mm. Right? So in that kind of scenario, when you're, you're navigating a space where you got to stay hard and you're trying to create, you know, a performance art essentially, but at the same time, you might be doing things that you don't really want to do at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where tapping into that second type of hard on, that's where you realize, okay, this does exist. Right. Like the, uh, by pure uh, focusing on sensation and focusing on the physical uh, stimulations you're getting, that can create a hard on, which is sustainable, but it's not based on you being necessarily horny. Hmm. Okay. Right? That's fascinating. I mean, and that gives a window into what is in your book is this, there's a lot of, it's gritty. I mean, there's a lot of really gritty details about sex and what you would expect from somebody who's had so much sex in, in their lifetime. Um, I want to get, get back into who you were at, at that time. I mean, you thought it was mm -hmm. just a one-time thing. It, be, it, it, ended, it ends up being something that defines a big part of your life. Um, yeah. what drew you to it initially other than like, was it, I mean, it was a lot of times it's like, Hey, this sounds like a cool story. Hey, wow. I can make a few bucks doing this. Or, I mean, were you just a ravenously horny guy? Give me a sense of, oh, of what you drew to it because, you know, hey, a lot of guys are watching porn, but they're not necessarily, like, I'm going to go be a porn star. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely uh, what, what drew me to it was that I was, I was hypersexual. So that was the driving force. Like, what, like how, how would you, how did you know you were hypersexual or how would you describe what hypersexual is? Uh... Well, I mean, you know, I like maybe all, uh, you know, 18, 19 year old boys are the same. It's tough to, it's tough to, um, tough to quantify. Right. But for me, you know, I, I would see girls everywhere. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I was just always, you know, horny, horny, horny when I was a kid. So for me, when I got into it, it was more about the fun and the women, the, the money was totally secondary, you know, after, after a while, then I realized how much money there was in it. Okay. But that wasn't my motivation when I got into the business. I wasn't getting into it for money. I, I thought it would be fun. And I thought, uh, and I, when I got into it, I did not think it was going to become a career. Mm -hmm. There was no part of me that said, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next, you know, 23 years. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, <laughs> that was not, not on my radar. I mean, you know, when I, when I started, I was 21, right? So I was just, I was just a young kid. I was so naive, especially coming from Canada too. Yeah. Right? There's so much shame around sex as it is. We tend to not talk about it. We tend to put it in boxes mm -hmm. and then porn adds another layer to that where we might talk about sex, but we rarely talk about how porn fits into our lives. Um, how did, how did you start to just own your identity? Hey, I'm a porn star. I mean, did, how did you, how did you tell your parents, for instance, how did they find out? Oh, wow. Well, this is a good story. <laughs> Cause I didn't, they didn't, they didn't call didn't, you on the phone uh, and be like, Hey, I saw this video. <laughs> actually, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, so what was funny was, um, I really wasn't sure how my parents were going to react to it. Because uh, previously, when I was when I was 16, uh, my parents, you know, they they had the, the screws on me pretty tight as far as what I could and could not do. That's why as soon as I was 18, I said, OK, well, I'm 
I got into one of the best universities in the country. I'm, I'm out of here, right? Uh, so I left, I left the province where I was from and I moved to Vancouver to go to school. So when I went and uh, moved down to Los Angeles to do porno, uh, I had a whole bunch of excuses why I was down there. I told my mom, oh yeah, I'm on vacation with some friends, right? Then I started on vacation. Then I needed extra time there. So I said, well, guess what, mom? You know, I found a job while I was here too, right? And I thought of something very uh, plebeian, you know, just real basic, like got a bartending job, right? You know, because I used to work uh, in, um, in restaurants and stuff before. So it, it kind of made sense as a lie. And, uh, the thing about my mother is she is one of the sharpest women I've ever, ever met ever. You know, she would bust me for anything, uh, when I was a child. So we, I would call her about every week from LA just to check up on her, see how she's doing. So I call her up. We have a normal son, mother talk for about 15, 20 minutes. At the very end of the call, before I hang up, she goes, so I hear you're doing movies. <laughs> Just like that. Right? Just that mic drop moment, like, and she, and you just hear in her voice, she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, you know, I'm on the other end of the phone, just mouth open, right? Like, fuck, how does she know, right? And, but she was always like that. Everything that I ever did, like if I went out drinking, I was out doing something, you know, she would just look at your eyes and it would just be like that. She wouldn't even say much. She'd just look at your eyes and be like, uh-huh. And you're, you're just, all of a sudden you're red and you're busted and you just, you go into your room with your tail between your legs. So. And um, so she knew, and what was the impact? How did that, how did that impact your relationship with your mom? Oh, I, me and my mom have the best relationship ever. But it, what was really funny was that my mother understood at that age, she said, look, you're a grown man you can do whatever you want, right? So it, there was a big shift that had happened uh, in our relationship between when I was 16 and then when, when I was 22. She was like, she was like, I ain't going to stop you from doing whatever you want to do. Um, so she was really supportive in, in that sense. And then, you know, as I got famous, as things progressed, um, she understood that uh, not all areas of the porno business were uh, negative, right? So it depended who you were, where you worked. Um, there was a lot of um, nuances to it. So, um, yeah. So she was able to keep an open minded and see a little thing, see it a little more nuanced and. and oh yeah. She, she was very open minded about it, which, like I said, I found uh, shocking in some ways because I didn't know what to expect. That's why yeah. I didn't tell. Her. So, well, let's talk about, I mean, what are, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you see floating around that people have about people in the, in the porn industry? Oh, well, what's interesting is you've got two different sides to it from my perspective, right? You have stereotypes that I think do ring true. And then you have stereotypes that don't ring true. Right. So it's a little bit of a mix of both. Um, but definitely something I would say people have this, this thing in their mind is they think somehow that we don't have normal lives. And I was actually, I was talking to somebody about this uh, recently, like most of the people that I know in the porno business, if they're in a relationship, they're monogamous. Like you don't have crazy uh, polyamory or anything like that going. It's hardly ever. Most people, like if they're if they are dating and they're in the business, they they are a monogamous couple. Very, I would say, ninety some odd percent of everybody. Um, so the assumption is that if you're in the, in the industry that you're somehow it's just, it's a free for all sexually all the time instead of, Oh, oh yeah, I go to work and then I come home like, and I, 
and I have my partner and that's who I have sex with is my partner. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing for, uh, a lot of parties or whatever. I mean, I, you could go to a, a, you know, a porno party and everybody's just, you know, drinking, having a good time. You don't, there's no crazy orgies or anything. Like we're so normal in that sense. And I think part of it could be, um, you know, anything where you swing too far to one side, you need to come back to a sense of normalcy. And that's what I've noticed in my time in the business where, um, in functions, you would have that um, swing back to quote unquote more normalcy. So it might be a little more grounded or not grounded, but a little more routine and uh, structure based if somebody's, you know, really out there on the edge with their, with the, with their sex life. Yeah. Because I mean, what, as a, as a job, I mean, it is definitely out there for most people. Um, but I've seen, uh, more often than not, people try to bring in some sense of normality to their lives. If they're in the porno business. Yeah. You said that some of the stereotypes are true. What, what are some of the stereotypes that you hear that, that, yeah, that's right. That's, that's bang on. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, I know, I know I'm sure people disagree with me, but I, I will just say it. There is nobody that gets into the business that is not, broken or traumatized in some way, like nobody normal just gets in. Like that's what I, especially, you know, once I got into neuro-linguistic programming, uh, I started working with, uh, shamanic plant medicines. I started like peeling back my own layers of what I, what I'd gone through in my life. And that's what I really started to see. I'm like, well, nobody that had a super normal, um, uh, existence growing up ends up in porno. So it's not to say that you were um, sexually abused or something. I mean, trauma comes in all sorts of different ways. You know, it could be just you were teased when you were a child, right? But there's something that happens that pushes you down that path. Yeah. It, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you, I, I don't hear that people ha- typically have 20 plus years in the business um, the story that I hear is that like for young women that, that are in the business, they're in it for a matter of months, if maybe a year or so, and then they're out, it seems to chew people up and then spit them out. That's the, that's the perception. And is well, that and, true? And well, very much true. Very much yeah. true. It's tough. Uh, it's tough mentally. It's, it's tough on the psyche. And I think not everybody is capable of handling it. And that's one of the, one of the major differences between those that uh, they get in and they last for a little bit of time and those that can last for a much, much longer period. Because at the, at the base of it, you know, if you think about sex and you think about, especially guys, like any guys that are listening to your podcast right now, like what is the major thing they're trying to overcome sexually? Well, it's in their mind, right? So much of your of, of sexuality is is in the mind, you know, like if you're struggling with performing anxiety, you know, it's a mental component. It's not physical, right? Whatever shame that you have, it's a mental component. It's not physical. So if you can master your mind, you can therefore begin to master your sexuality. And usually, especially with guys, the guys that have been in and last and have been around for years and years and years at least before, um, were masters of their mind, at least most of them. And what is it about the business? You said it's tough and I could nod my head and be like, yeah, that's tough. But if you had to kind of, what's, what's the part that they take home at the end of the day and they're like, I can't keep doing this. What is it just the fact that they're having sex with lots of people or is it that it's not fun or is it that, Hey, this is, you know what, this is a really sacred part of my life, my sexuality. I don't want to exploit it. What, what, what do you think is the thing that, that makes it truly tough? I think, well, a couple things. First, when I think about like what makes things tough is the fact that you have to be able to be able to control 
every aspect of your body and be ready to go on point like a machine. Right? Because, like, there's, there's five components um, when I think about it. Like, if you were to be uh, a top A-list uh, porno actor, you need to have five criteria, right? Uh, first one, you need to be able to get hard on command, right? Uh, number two, you need to be able to uh, produce a cum shot within about a minute of being asked to do so at any time. Uh, number three, you, you don't need to be gigantic, but you should be slightly above average um, in the endowment department. Uh, uh, number four, you should be decently good looking. You don't need to be Brad Pitt, but you know, as a guy, if you were uh, decently good looking, that's, that's going to help, right? And then lastly, and probably the most important, you need to be able to extract something out of the woman that would never have occurred if you had not been in the scene with her. Like? Well, like um, emotion, like uh, being able to give her the ultimate uh, experience, get her off, have her for the next 45 minutes be able to totally uh, forget that there's a camera in the room, that all these people are there, allow her to actually just let go and, and relax and just experience the sex and, and really, really uh, get off on it. It's interesting because my my that was that was one of the the assumptions I had was that it was it's theater we're watching acting so even the the quote turn on was acting in a sense but you're saying that no it's 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 that is um, that is not the case so you're you're always you're dancing a line but um, the 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 top guys especially if you have a director that uh, doesn't interfere with you, right? Because there's, there's, you have basically two different camps. You have the, the directors where they're just trying to capture something as close to organic as possible. And then you have the other camp where they are, they have their hands in the whole project and they are directing every single move that you make. So those ones, there's nothing that you can do about, but the ones that want to capture something organic Basically, what they're trying to do uh, is they're trying to hire the best guy, you know, the best girl, and, and just create that chemistry and then just hit record, and they don't say anything. And so that is where the real skill comes in, and that's where I found there was so much learning. Because in that situation, you don't have uh, three months and 15 dinner dates to figure out what works, Right. I've got five minutes. I got five minutes to really start to figure out, okay, she's this type. Here's what's working with her. This is what's going to get her off. Let's go. And you do it enough times. You start to see, at least I did, you start to see the patterns between uh, all these different women. And you start to see, okay, well, um, here is what works with this, but wait, it's here, it's here. And you start connecting all the dots and you see that there are certain things that do work with all women, or at least let's say 85% of them, right? And you start being able to read things in real time as to what's going on. So that's, that's what that experience is like. Was figuring that out, I'm sitting here like, I like that discovery process. And I like that it sometimes takes weeks, months. I've been married for, you know, a long time now. So it's not like, but it's still an ongoing process with me and my wife. It's like, let me figure it out. Like, I don't want to feel like it's like, all right, boom, got it. I've got it figured out. And it's five minutes. Now I know what, you know, where I'm going to go here. Did coming up with whatever that system did that take some of the magic away or some of that excitement away from it? I understand you're going and doing a job. You know, it's like, yeah. but that, that element of discovery of like, who is this person? What is, what is she about? Like, is, what was, 
what kind of I'm seeing these two worlds there. Maybe I'm missing something. Well, so no, it doesn't take any of the magic out, but what it does do is you, like I said, you're able to condense that amount of time because you can start, once you know what cues you're reading off of, you can start to figure out what sexually is working much, much, much faster. Because if you look at relationships, there's multiple different components, right? Like you've got the physical component, you've got the mental component, you've got the emotional component, you've got the spiritual component, right? So, but if if you're on a on a porno set, you're really stripping most of that away except the physical. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, that's what your focus then becomes, right? On how you're going to take this person to the next level, right? Because it's not going to be necessarily what you say, you know, there's no, it's, it's almost like a different intimacy because you're not getting that intimacy where you're getting to know anything about their personality, but you are getting the intimacy where you're getting to know everything about their body. I love so that, you, that you nailed it down into like w- just one facet of many because I'm aware that a lot of young people, a lot of young men are using porn as sex education, right? And it seems to be rather flat, two-dimensional in that way. Like, this is how you, what you do to women. You fuck them really hard, and you do this really fast, and you do all the multiple positions and that kind of stuff. Wow, and see, there's that, all the, there's that, all the other the things misnomer. missing. What's that? That's the misnomer, because I would never tell somebody to watch porno for sex education. Yeah, that's, so that's what I was wondering. is, is you, you were able to see all these dimensions, but in pornography, at least most of the porn that we see, it's really, like you said, very mechanical. Yeah. 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 And, and there's a lot of different reasons for that, right? So, um, because some of it is, is the actors, some is the actresses, some is the companies, because certain companies, they want it to be mechanical because that is what sells for their bottom line. So uh, there, there is no time that I would tell somebody, okay, go watch porno to necessarily have sex education because you have to understand that it is still performance art. There's a lot of things that, that, uh, definitely I've, I've done in scenes that I don't enjoy. And I could tell any guy alive, I'd be like, you know, it looks cool. You might think it looks cool. It hurts like hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't want to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're creating something visual and I know you definitely have young people today. I, I don't think they quite understand that because, you know, uh, I think you and me were probably around the same age, right? Or ballpark. And, you know, when I was a kid watching, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger blast, you know, 90 guys on screen, well, not really believing he's actually doing that in real life, right? I mean, it looks cool, but there's still part of me that's like, well, yeah, of course, you know, it's fantasy. Yeah. Um, and in a way, porno is the same thing, right? It's like we're, we're, we're portraying the superheroes in that, in that sense, right? And we are doing something that uh, is in real time, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily what's going to feel good because we're trying to create a visual tour de force, so to speak. Yeah. It's a distortion of reality. It's a funhouse mirror version of it. And um, I, I love that you brought that that understanding into it. And I, I think it would be great if, if I don't know if there is some kind of education for, for the younger guys that are that are coming up, younger men and women. It's like, hey, this this is just entertainment. This is not reality. This is watching, you know, superheroes jump off of buildings and beat people up. It's on that level. It's not a how-to. This is not how you actually have sex with one another. Yeah. And that, and that was what drove me to start writing the book. Cause I had, I had so many girls that were like, Oh my God, you need to, you need to teach what you're doing. Hmm. Right. Or at least, uh, you know, tell my ex-boyfriend so I can give him, give him a copy. And the, the seed was planted in my head that I was thinking, well, yeah, okay. There's not, there's not that real education out there for guys. 
you know, and, and how can I best serve humanity in the sense of I've gone through this crazy journey and I've experienced things that nobody's ever going to experience. But within that, there are a lot of different lessons. So how can I, how can I take all the good out of that and, and find a way to give back in a sense? What sparks that? Because I run into this a lot as part of my work as a coach. The story is very much the same. Hey, I've been doing XYZ for 20 plus years. It doesn't quite work for me anymore. It used to be exciting, not so exciting anymore, but I don't know what's next, but I want to do something meaningful. Uh, mm-hmm. How can I, there's that thing, like how can I leverage what I've done in the past to either, you know, course correct and get on another path where I'm excited about it and I'm doing something meaningful or or what's, what's the next phase? How do I redefine myself? So what was going on for you? You know, describe a bit for you when, when the idea of going into work and having sex with people or watching other, you know, filming other people having sex just wasn't working for you. Is that what was going on? Like, shit, that's same, same thing, different day. What's wrong with me? Why can't I enjoy this? Or why, why am I not excited about this anymore? Well, I would say I started to get pseudo disillusioned around, 2009. And that was after so, being how long in the business? I'd, I'd been in for a decade. Okay. I'd been in for a decade. And, um, you know, I'd had, you know, all the ups and downs and, uh, yeah. And, and I don't know what necessarily triggered it, but I met, I met, uh, one guy and he was putting on a, uh, heart centered, uh, relationship workshop. So I, uh, I took his course, uh, it's actually where I met your friend, Rich, uh, our friend, Rich. Um, and that was kind of like a catalyst or an opening of the gates. Right. So I was like, okay, well, I want to go, I want to go down some more rabbit holes here. And that led to me then enrolling in one of the best uh, neurolinguistic programming schools in the country up in Marin County. And I didn't really know what to expect um, when I did it. You know, I, I went up there thinking, okay, well, NLP, well, I mean, that's supposed to be cool, right? But I had no concept of what the next three years um, were going to entail and what it was going to do to my life, Right. And before you get into that a bit more, what do you, what do you think was, what did you get a sense of was missing, right? Like there's something you're, you're, you're out now you're in a seeker, right? Now you're in that seeker mindset of, all right, I'm going to start turning over stones. I'm looking for something, but even if you didn't know where it was going or what was unfolding, what did you get a sense of, uh, what was missing for you at that time? Purpose. Purpose. That was, that, that became the question that was chewing me up what the hell am I here to do? What's my purpose? It's got to be bigger and, than, than being in yeah. this, this, this job. Cause on the outside, you've got fame, right? There's people that know you, there's people that admire you. You've got women all around you. It, it looks like one of those mountaintops that some guys would think, man, if I was there, you know, I'd be buttering my toast. Like everything's great. But so <laughs> even when you got there, it's like, you know, something's missing. Yeah. For, but and I've seen, I've seen, uh, both sides of the coin. Like I, I do know guys that they're in the business and they are lifers and they could never imagine doing anything else. Um, but for me, it wasn't like that. All of a sudden I was, I was feeling, feeling pulled like, okay, well, you know, this isn't exciting or interesting like it used to be. Now I'm feeling like there's gotta be something else. And then it got this, uh, feeling of, well, there needs to be something bigger, right? Like, but again, I could not figure out, you know, what, what was my purpose. And so that led me down the rabbit hole with the NLP came out of that. And I, I had a lot of clarity and I was even more fractured than before. So I was clear that there was something else that I wanted to do. Um, I was clear on the things that were holding me back from doing it, but I was not clear on what it was that I had to do. What did you get a sense that was, was holding you back at that time? Fear, lots of fear, you know, um, fear of failure, fear of success. Um, 
uh, fear of not belonging. Um, uh, like fear I'll of being like to be in that quote civilian world outside of the industry. Like I won't belong anywhere else outside of this industry. Mm, or? No, 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 no. It, it wouldn't have mattered if it was if it was porno or within the industry. Um, these were just uh, things, uh, my own personal demons I had been fighting my whole life. Mm. You know, I mean, um, in some ways, uh, I was the anti-famous um, porno actor because, uh, you know, I would never go to the parties. Uh, you know, the insiders used to joke if I showed up somewhere, they're like, oh my God, what are you doing here, right? Uh, they're like, you're the most famous guy that never shows up anywhere. Uh, just because it just it didn't hold anything for me, you know? Well, it seems like I was reading your book. It seemed a little paradoxical that you were the guy that could show up. You, you talked about doing a scene at a frat house in front of oh, a yeah. bunch of strangers and having sex and even doing a countdown for your cum shot. Like, here you are performing in front of people, but the idea of actually just going and being with people being around people was conf like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the party. I want to go be by myself. And like, oh, yeah, I'll go pull I my mean, dick out and have sex in front of everybody, <laughs> the camera. And um, that's fine. Like that, that's a crazy yeah. paradox. Well, well, welcome to being a uh, uh, INFJ, right? You know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm uh, generally I'm a hardcore introvert by nature. Yeah. Right. But I'm very functional. You know, so it's like, you know, I mean, if I know somebody like we're on this conversation right now, I mean, we could talk all day. Right. Um, but uh, you get me out in 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 public. I'm like, I can do it for a short period of time. And then I'm like, OK, it's time to get out of here. I'm the same way. But yeah. but uh, but if you want me to go put on a performance, uh, let's do it. Right. You that know, I mean, for you. Okay. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you know, and I, 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 I always love doing the, um, doing the live shows because they, nothing, there's nothing I've come across that is scarier than that. Yeah. Still, still, I will be scared doing that. Yeah. So I, I, I pulled you off track. You, you were figuring out the things that were holding you back from this next phase and, and but still leaning into the uncertainty and turning over stones with uh, NLP, et cetera. So w w where did you go from there? Well, that's what led to working with uh, with ayahuasca. So then uh, through some uh, business coaches that I knew that had uh, different connections, I started working with uh, with the plant medicines. And then that was just a whole other experience of um profound understanding what opened up so, for you because it's different you know everybody's got different relationships with different medicines if they choose to take them so what what mm -hmm. opened up for you it's not a one-size-fits-all that's my point so what opened up for you with ayahuasca oh i mean for me uh what opened up for me was was purpose um and the the visions that I would get shown, you know, it was all super rel um, relatable to my life. Like it was all about my life. It wasn't anything that was out there. It was very instructional. It was very, okay, here's what you need to do next. Then you need to do this. Um, so it was very practical wow. in a spiritual sense. Um, and for the most part, I, I just listened and I took action. And it gave you a sense of purpose. What was it just, I, I, it sounds like it get, you got a little bit of a roadmap there, but what was the purpose you got? If you had to define that, what was that sense that you got? Well, ultimately one of the, one of the pieces was that, um, you know, my purpose was to appreciate the female beauty and, and I realized, well, okay, I'd been doing that in some way my whole life. Right. And, uh, and it was, it was shortly, uh, shortly after my last, um, my last ayahuasca journey that then when I got back, I, I was like, okay, like it's time to get serious. And that's when I started writing because I had the ideas in my head for years, but I never acted on them. Um, and I mean, I, I know you, you just came out with a book, uh, recently, I, I, I believe, or, um, 
so you know the process. I mean, it's not it's not like you write a book overnight. It it takes quite a while, <laughs> quite a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just perseverance, and you know, you gotta really put your put your heart and soul into doing the process. And that's what happened. I just something snapped in me one day, and I said, okay, this is what we're gonna do. And I'm I share just, what I have, what I've learned. I'm gonna show, I'm just that idea of like, what can I give that type of thing? Yeah, and it was it was how can I impact guys so that they they wouldn't have to go through everything that I went through, but they could get the knowledge, right? Because it's it's one thing to have the knowledge; it's a whole other thing to go through the twenty two years to acquire it, <laughs> right. right? Because with that, you've got the ups, you've got the downs, you've got everything, but I mean, I would never, um, uh, I would never say that I didn't come away with uh, immense, immense sexual knowledge from the last 22 years. So then it was like, well, how could I take that and how could I give that to somebody that they don't, you know, they want to have a monogamous relationship. They don't want something crazy, but they want to be able to perform their very best. Hmm. Right. When you talked about appreciating the female, I thought that was interesting. You said, you said the purpose was to appreciate uh, uh, the female beauty. I can't remember the exact term. Yeah. Um, yeah. And porn's typically associated with just objectifying women. Like they're just like, like we only see them maybe as how they look. So I'd love to see, hear some nuance there if you said, because that's, that's typically not what we hear in the porn industry, it's like, oh, there's a woman and she's going to be used for this, you know, well, this act. You have, to, you have to look at it as, as not, not from porno's standpoint, but from your own standpoint, mm -hmm. right? Like, I see beautiful women you know, everywhere on the street whenever I'm walking around, and I don't look at it like I'm objectifying them, you know? It's like I'm admiring them. I'm like, wow, that girl looks great. Oh, wow, she looks great. Like, there's no part of me that, that ever thinks like, oh, my God, I'm objectifying her. You know, it's appreciation, mm. right? Because, you know, it's, um, I mean, everybody likes to see things that are beautiful. I can't imagine anybody that doesn't. So for me, it was just, it was just a, it was just acknowledgement and extension of that. It's like, oh, wait, I, you know, because that's how I always was like, you know, I was always, uh, I was always in awe of beauty. There was something so probably the wrong term, but there was just something so pure about it in a sense. Right. You're like, okay, wow. Like that is beautiful. And it could be anything. I mean, you could, you could, you could be looking at a, a, a famous painting and you could just sit there staring in awe like, wow. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. right? You could be looking at a at a building and just be like, "Wow, that is beautiful." And to me, it was the same thing. So there was never an objectification about it. Mm. I wonder for you, <laughs> as I've gotten older, there was a, um, you know, it, my appreciation of women went from, "Oh wow, she's beautiful. She looks amazing. I feel this turn on in my body just looking at her." And then I would start to talk to her and maybe not feel that attraction anymore because of like who she was energetically or as a person, like maybe I just didn't feel that turn on anymore. And then there would be women that maybe didn't check the boxes physically of what I had an expectation or what I'd had a kind of a construct in my mind of what was beautiful. But the more that I talked to them, the more they interact with, them. I was like, wow, I'm getting turned on. This, this person's just lighting me up. I'm, I love their energy. There's, there was this other component. It was, it was a three-dimensional appreciation of that beauty. It, was, it wasn't just what was on the outside. It, did that ever play into your sense of turn on as, as when you were with women? Oh, well, it's definitely come as I've gotten older, mm -hmm. 100%, 100%, 100%. So there is, there is a lot of wisdom there because your, your compass tends to switch, or at least it has for me and, and maybe it did for you too. Whereas you, you know, you're young and everything is completely physical. And then it starts to switch to, well, okay, what else do you have to offer? Like what else is going on? Because you need the physical to be there, you know, to some level, that's what maintains that polarity and attraction. But then at the same time, it's like, well, what, 
what is their personality? What are they giving? How are you relating? What is the harmony like? Okay. You mentioned that fear and that anxiety of being in the, being in front of the people and having sex. And, and I talked to some guys, even guys that are married that still see sex as this test. They've got to perform. And if they don't perform well, then they, they see themselves as failures. Like they can't simply just enjoy sex. There's this performance anxiety. Um, and so I was wondering if maybe we could talk about that a little bit. They worry about their erection or they worry about if they're going to come too fast. Um, they worry about whether they're getting her off enough. But what I've noticed is that when they're in that place, they're not actually with their partner. They're not actually in this dance with their partner. They're just fixated on themselves. And I'm wondering if there's a way that, that you could help them out and just help them relax and just simply enjoy being with their partner. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little story quick that um, was representative of kind of the way my mind works around this. This was, oh God, it had to be 20 years ago now, 19, 20 years ago. And I was working for a company um, uh, in the Valley. Uh, and at the time, there was a famous art photographer who was going around on these particular sets and he was shooting uh, photos for a art photography book. Um, I can't, uh, the name of the book was, was, uh, I believe it was the Valley or in the Valley. Um, and, uh, anyway, so he came on set and he happens to be there one day when I'm working and he sees me, you know, do my scene and he had never really seen anything like it, you know, because he had seen lesser quality performers up until that point. So I finished the scene, you know, covered in sweat, everything's done. And he comes up to me. He's just like, wow, that was amazing. And he goes to me and then he says, so what were you thinking about that whole time? And that's what I told him. I just looked him straight in the eyes. I go, nothing. <laughs> I said, what am I supposed to be thinking about? Like what? You know, it, like there's no part of you that should be thinking about anything. Like I'm totally focused on, on, on doing, I'm focused on being there. It's like, I don't know if you ever remember poltergeist where they have the TV and it's all, and the, you know, the little girl puts her hands up. That's my brain. It's white noise in there. There's not a single thing going on. So you're just in sensation or, or what's happening for you? Yeah, Because here's the thing you cannot think and do at the same time. You can't, you can think that you might, but if you are truly, truly focused on doing something, you're not thinking, right? Um, an analogy sometimes I'll use for people, it, anybody that's ever been like a, a hardcore gym rat, right? You put uh, a couple hundred pounds on a, a bench press or a squat or something. There, it's so meditative because there is not a going through your brain when that heavy weight is going down. You are just focused on getting that weight up. You're not thinking about the grocery list. You're not thinking about what your wife's cooking for dinner. You're not thinking about anything. You're just thinking, get the weight up, right? And when you get into, into a, a sexual space, it becomes the same thing. Like you're just, you're just focused on pleasuring the girl, if you're focused on pleasuring the girl, you're not thinking about, am I going to get hard? You're not thinking about, hope I don't come soon. You're not, you're not thinking about anything because you're doing, right? So the act of doing is what lowers your anxiety and allows you to perform. That's one of the key components, right? It's and what like, about the guy that's fixated on like, all right, she's got to have an orgasm so that I feel good about myself. You know, I'm not a real man unless she comes. Because I could see where there's a there's a slippery slope there for him, where it's well, still there, about there, there, him, there. even though his focus is on her. Yeah, well, but here's the thing: it's like you you have to understand that not not everybody is going to be easy to get off, right? So to to initially put that kind of pressure on yourself is counterproductive, right? Second, you have to really, really pay attention. And that's 
that's some of the things that I talk about uh, in the book that I learned over and over is that, you know, most guys, they don't actually know what they're supposed to be paying attention to because nobody's ever told them. And no woman has ever really explained it in a way that guys would understand either. So if you think about how, how um, men and women describe things, right? Women are very emotional in their language. Men were super practical, right? <laughs> so uh, that was the other thing. It's like, well, how could, how could I explain this to guys in guy language that they can understand and they can take and say, oh, wow, you know, that works. It's like one of the things I've talked to so many of my clients about, you know, they'll be talking about um, getting a woman off and I'll say, well, what do you pay What are you paying attention to? You know, it's like, and they'll say they're, you know, they're doing cunnilingus or something. And I said, well, what are you actually paying attention to? And they said, well, oh, well, you know, the noise she makes, right? I'm like, well, okay, that's a secondary thing, but that's not really what you should be paying attention to. And they say, well, you know, maybe she's quivering. I said, mm, no, wrong again. And then when I go into it, I say, you have to pay attention to how hard the, the clit gets because the clit acts exactly the same as a penis. If you look at it, it is actually a micro small penis, right? And it gets hard when it's aroused. And if you pay attention with uh, the nerves of your tongue and you're feeling the minute uh, erection as it's getting bigger, 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 that's your compass. You follow that thing all the way, boom, she's getting off. Like it's when you know what you're looking for, it's so easy. It's just that nobody knows what they're looking for. So it's like, it's like driving somewhere and you don't have a map, you know? So you're like, well, we'll just keep doing circles. Right. But you don't, you know, it's like, well, if you want to get from LA to Vegas, you don't just pick any freeway and just like, well, I hope this one gets us there. Cause it may not. And that's the problem that a lot of guys are doing sexually. They want to do good but they don't know where they're driving. They don't have a map. So that's, that's one of the things. It's like, okay, well, I'll give you the map. Now you can figure out how to get there. And is that what will help them eventually with this anxiety? Is that what you're pointing to? Is that once they've got a sense of what they're well, doing, then they're... Exactly, because if you think about, if you think about um, anxiety, anxiety is almost like the, the opposite of confidence in a sense, right? It's like you've got these polarities and well what is confidence well it's 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 understanding that it's basically knowledge backed up by skill set right because nobody ever just is born with confidence right most people um well they have to do something enough times that then they say okay well now i'm getting better at it okay now i've got an understanding of it and then that feedback loop eventually creates what we would call confidence because then they're like, oh, well, okay, I've done that a thousand times. I know what I'm doing here. And then you, you know, not to say that you get egotistical, but you do get, you know, it's like, well, okay, I, I got this, right? Mm -hmm. You really have that sense of, well, okay, I understand how to do this. I got this. And, you know, that, when you get there, that definitely brings down your anxiety because you know what you're capable of, right? But well, I'm just thinking about, that, again, how many guys are going in, it's like, oh, I'm with this new partner. I've got to have it all together. The first time I've got to know exactly what what's right for her body. And there's that pressure. Well, it's a, just an yeah, unreal that's expectation. Why you break it down, down to the small wins, right? It's like, okay, well, first, what, what can I do, you know, here to improve this and what things am I going to pay attention to? Right. So that I, I can improve this, right. It's, it's like you, you're working on getting small wins throughout the whole thing to build up your sense of self, your, your, your self-esteem, right? And, you know, when you got that, you know, and this is just when you're talking about anxiety about, you know, getting her off. I mean, there's so many diff different types of anxiety. There's, you know, anxiety, am I going to get hard? There's anxiety about, am I going to uh, ejaculate too fast? I mean, there's at all these different things and it overwhelms guys. And it's like, well, no, let's, let's, let's bring it back and bring it down to base understanding. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, uh, and I've had to use this myself before, right. Is you have to, you have to really understand, like if, if you could get a hard on sitting at home alone and it's no problem, 
right? Then your dick works. And you have to really, really put that into your mind. Like you really have to go back to that. Cause I've been there before. I've had days on set where, you know, for whatever reason I was nervous. I'm maybe I don't like the girl. Maybe it's a really big movie and there's, you know, I put too much pressure on myself and you know, that's what you have to go back to. You have to say, wait a second, wait a second. What are we getting all bent out of shape for? Okay. This thing works. I know it does. You know, it's because there is definitely a difference between Hey, I have some sort of uh, medical problem. I have some sort of uh, disease. Like there's something going on biologically that's preventing me from being able to be my best or it's a mental problem, you know? And it's like, if you know it's a mental problem, then it's like, okay, well, what do I have to do in the moment? How can I break myself out of this mental problem? Because I know it's just mental. Hmm. Right? And I've found myself going there so many times where it was like, okay, back to the basics. Stop thinking, start doing, start doing what makes you uh, turned on, right? Uh, let's build some confidence, which is something I call, you know, um, the hint of blood theory, right? Because, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you have anxiety uh, about your performance, right? Well, the thing about the penis is it, it acts in many ways, like, um, do you, do you ever watch the, uh, world's strongest man? I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I've seen clips okay. of that. So yeah. if you, if you've ever seen a clip where it's like, they get this 300 pound guy and they strap him to a semi truck trailer and he's got to pull the trailer. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Or the airplane. Right. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's analogous to your penis. Right. So when you are 100% bloodless flaccid, that is like the 300 pound guy pulling the semi-truck trailer, right? It's tough to get it going, right? Like that's, that's the whole point. But as soon as the wheels start going, it moves faster, faster, faster. So once you get, you know, let's say 30% blood flow, like zero to 30% is the tough part. 30% to 100% is easy, right? So set yourself up for success. It's like, um, do something that's going to get that first 30% in there. Because as soon as you get that first 20, 30%, what happens? Your brain says, oh, God, thank God, right? You know, it just resets. And I've done this so many times where it's like, you're kind of nervous. You know, you just, you, know, you just play with yourself a little bit. You just get that 20, 30%. And then it's like, boom, your body just resets. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, it works. Right. Yeah. And it's a psychological, like, it's just a psychological thing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, if you're, if you're worried, you know, um, going into a, a sexual interaction and you're worried about, well, what is this girl going to think of me? Right. It's like, well, I would just be getting myself uh, a little stimulation when I'm making out with her, when I'm doing something, because as soon as that 20, 30% gets in there, your body resets. And now you're like, oh, okay, I got this. Interesting. Right? Well, yeah, I, yeah. Look, if you were, if you were to just wait and you just have zero percent blood flow, tell you what's going to happen. Now you're now you're going down the rabbit hole of negative thinking because you're thinking, well, God, I hope it gets going. And as soon as you say hope, what you know, it's like that that uh, um, like negative affirmations, like. You know, it's like, well, I, I hope it can get hard or, you know, I hope that, you know, and then it's like, what, what does that create? Well, that creates some stress. What does the stress create? Well, now you've got that adrenaline going a little bit and now, well, okay, it's not getting as hard. It's not getting hard or it's not getting hard as fast as you want. And then the negative loop, like it just starts going around and around yeah. and around and you're never getting it together. But if you get that little 30% yourself reset, no problem. No problem. There's a there's an aspect of this too, which is for a lot of us, which is like we don't want to show that we've got a chink in the armor, right? Like we don't want to reveal that we're not manly enough to get an erection or something like that. And I, I've I've had situations where, you know, it's like maybe I lose my erection in the middle of it. And it's like oh no, and it just helps me to just be like, I I need a break. I'm going too hard here, and it just to actually communicate that instead of trying to maintain the facade that I'm Mister Super Sexual Guy and 
oftentimes just revealing because she's worried. She's not, she's thinking about herself too. She's worried about like, so just, just to have that connection of like, Hey, I'm a little off here. Are you a little off? Yeah, you're a little off too. And then boom, we're back. We're, I feel more connected. That's one of the things that has me relax and like, Oh, we're both human here and mm-hmm. I don't have to be perfect. And that's one of the things that just will have me relax. So that, that, you know, being able to like, Hey, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to rise to the occasion of being one of those superheroes on the screen. And, and I can actually talk to her about it and not in a collapse, like, Oh, we make new, whatever, I'm, I'm, whatever, you know, yeah. you know, flat tire on the road kind of thing. But just to, just to own that, Hey, I'm having a little moment here and let's, let's take a breather. And then, Whoa, Hey, we're back at it. And, and things are take the pressure off and then things keep working. But I found that letting, letting down that, that wall of, this is all up to me and I need to hide it from her. She's feeling it. She's picking up that I'm in my head and I'm worrying. And, and so just, just being that vulnerable, uh, I found it can just blow away that stuff and actually create greater connection too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we're all, we're all going to have our ups and downs and women are the same way. Like they understand that, you know, they, I think a lot of them, it's more, they get more upset if you're not willing to try, right? Like if they know you're in the game and you're working, especially, you know, one of the things for me, it's like sometimes um, I like to do my best to get girls off before sex even happens because then you lower the expectations, right? It's like if you can give a woman an orgasm before, you've got to get yourself hard. You've got to deal with anything else. It's like, okay, if you had a problem, she's giving you a free pass. Like, you know, she's like, okay, fine. Like there, I've never met any woman that would be uh, disappointed because she's like, oh, well, you know, you, you, you gave me a couple orgasms, but you know, you weren't able to, (laughs) you know, uh, well, even to just, even to, I guess even to just try on the idea that, uh, uh, orgasm has to happen. Like what if it, uh, to come back to that, I'm not thinking about anything. Like I, I don't have to even need be a, attached to my orgasm or hers. We can just hang out and enjoy each yeah. other. That, that yeah. might, I can imagine that could be helpful too. Uh, yeah. And, it's, really and like I said, it just, it's, for me, it's the presence of just doing mm-hmm. right. If you're doing, you're having fun, you're not thinking. Yeah. Because like I said, thinking is counterproductive. I mean, when that guy asked me what was going through my brain when I did that scene, I was, I, I couldn't imagine there'd be a thought, yeah. right? I was like, wait, what am I supposed to be thinking about? And it was because I was always so hyper-focused on, on, on doing and experiencing that for me, it was just white noise. Interesting. Great. Well, your book certainly has a lot of very detailed, uh, <laughs> I mean, like... I, I got a lot of, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I didn't, I didn't realize how detailed it was going to become. And I've seen a lot of sex, you know, how to products kind of come across uh, my desk. So uh, it was really fascinating to go through your book. Um, the book is called Unleash Your Sexual Superpowers, a porn star's guide to sexual mastery. We're talking with Eric Everhard. You can learn more about him at ericeverhard.com. So if anybody wanted to learn more about this. They want to go beyond what information might be in the book and, and work directly with you. How would they go about that? Well, they can just uh, email me at eric at ericeverhard.com. That's spelled with a K, not a C. And uh, yeah, we can take them further down the rabbit hole. Thank you so much, man. Hey, no, it was awesome. This was a great conversation. So I super appreciate it. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.